Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. This episode was sponsored by Unbelievable Health, the producers of these incredible health supplements using the products from the hive, the wonderful health benefits of Propolis. If you want to grab some of your own supplements for immunity, for energy, for anxiety and for sleep, then go along to unbelievablehealth.co.uk and put in the code PaulaBuzz25 for a 25% discount. Isn't that amazing? So that's Paula Buzz, all in capital letters, two Zs, 25. So P-A-U-L-A-B-U-Z-Z, 25 for a 25% discount. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Hello. Now, today, I really wanted to share with you something that's been buzzing around the news and is getting lots of beekeepers worked up. And it's about the government, the UK government's um, decision to allow neonicotinoids um, for emergency use on sugar beet crops. Now, I have spoken a lot during my talks and bee safaris and honey tastings about neonicotinoids. And what I find is that most people have never heard of them and have no idea what neonics for short are. And it it surprises me because it's such a big deal within the beekeeping world and in the farming world. So I'm going to share a bit about what the history is of neonics and what the problems are and why the UK government are allowing them again. So neonicotinoids are a neurotoxin insecticide. They're made up of three neonics which are compounds that have the nicotine gene in them and two fungicides and they're all combined together to make a coating for seeds. Now they were first used on sunflower seeds and this is where the um, association with making them harmful for bees came in because in Spain, Italy um, and parts of uh, France beekeepers would take their bees out to the sunflower fields when the sunflowers are flowering because then the bees would feed on the nectar and produce a delicious honey. Now, the first time that the neonicotinoid-treated seeds were used, a vast proportion of the bees exposed to this died. And the beekeepers went to the farmers and said, what, are you, what have you done? You know, what have you sprayed? And the farmers were saying, oh, it's great. We didn't have to spray anything because we got these new seeds. And that's when a 20-year research started on proving the connection between the impact of neonicotinoid-treated seeds and the deaths of bees. Now, the problem is because not all the bees died straight away on that first impact, you have a whole load of bees that have then survived and become more resistant to it. And so bees were dying in smaller numbers the more they were exposed. However, what scientists found is that as it was a neurotoxin, it was having other longer term detrimental health impacts on the bees. Now, when these chemicals are designed as an insecticide, so the idea is that you spray a crop and then the insects won't eat the crop, so you have more of the crop for humans, they have what they call the LD50. 
And so these um, these chemicals have to be tested on bees to see if they're safe and if they're killing for bees. Now, the LD50 is the sort of regulation that shows that only 50% of the bees were harmed during the trials, and therefore it can be called bee safe. So if something has the LD50, it means they've tested it and only 50% of the bees died. Therefore, it's fine to have a label on it saying that it's bee safe. Now, when they test the LD50 on neonicotinoids, there's five ingredients. You've got the three neonics and the two fungicides. And what they do is they have a bee in a Petri dish and they drop one of the chemicals, one of the three neonics in a dropper on the bee. And the dose that kills the bee, um, and when that dose is tested and it kills 50% of the bees, that's therefore a safe dose. But what they never do is test three neonics on the bee or three neonics and two fungicides on the bee. And when you look at the studies that Rachel Carson did back in the 1950s and 60s, a biologist in America, um, and she was the one who was responsible for banning DDT because it was so toxic to the environment, not just to mosquitoes. Um, what they found is that the toxicity of these chemicals increases when you put more chemicals together. So it's not a case of chemical A and chemical B. When you put them together, it makes, um, you know, A plus B and just a, a C. It actually makes a plus B to the power of 10 or 20. It just increases the toxicity of all the ingredients. So, you know, we really have to be very mindful when we're starting to mix chemicals. So it took 20 years for B scientists to prove that the, um, the neonicotinoids were causing B death. And so in 2018, in Europe and Britain, neonicotinoids were banned. So they stopped the use of them in 2018. And I think in some parts of, of Europe, they were actually banned a bit earlier because France had about has had about 12 or 13 years without neonicotinoids. So they've been banned and everyone's like, oh, phew. However, there was then a bit of um, an uprising amongst farmers who were saying, well, if we can't use these chemicals, the insects are going to kill all our plants um, or eat all our plants and we're going to have reduced crop yields. So there was a, a concern that farmers would start pulling out the more toxic pyrethroids or, or other chemicals, the organophosphates, to actually protect their crops. There's been this real argument and battle about which was worse. Now, when you look at the neonicotinoids, we know that only 5% of that coating is absorbed by the plant, and yet it makes the whole plant um, toxic. So it's what we call a systemic pesticide. So it means that the seed is coated, and as the plant grows, the whole plant becomes toxic. And so if a bird drinks water off a leaf, or if a bee or a butterfly or anything eats or drinks the nectar or take collects the pollen, it's going to be poisoned. It's going to be taking some of those toxins into its body and back to its nest or its hive. But the other 95% goes into the soil. And one of the problems um, farmers have been having, and therefore, you know, beekeepers, is that Although the neonicotinoids were banned for use on pollinated crops, bee pollinated crops, they had not been banned on non-pollinating crops. So there's been quite a lot of crops grown where the seeds have been treated, but because bees don't pollinate them, 
they were still allowed to be treated. So if you look at wheat um, and quite a lot of cereal crops that are wind pollinated, they could be um, used with the treated soil, with the treated seed. Now that 95% residue would go into the soil around where those seeds have been planted. And if a farmer then planted a whole border of wild flowers to attract pollinators, what's going to happen is all those wild flowers have now been affected by this coating from the seeds. So it makes the wild flowers toxic. So neonicotinoids have a really, really bad reputation and they're neurotoxins. So we know that they affect the behaviors of bees. They affect their ability to um, absorb nectar, to drink nectar. It just has a longer term effect. And we know that bees that are foraging on toxic, on, on toxic crops um, or in a toxic environment, they're having all kinds of other problems. We're finding their lifespan is halved. We're finding that they're dying outside the hive shaking. We find that they have an inability to rest or sleep. And I'm going to, in another episode, I'm going to talk about sleep with bees and how that relates to humans as well. So it has lots and lots of different problems because these chemicals have been designed to stop insects feeding on these plants. Now, the reason everyone's talking about it now is the British government over the last, I think this will be the third year running, they have voted without consulting the public, without consulting us, that they will allow these toxic chemicals to be used on certain crops in emergency situations. Now, what's considered an emergency situation is a bit vague. It can be where a farmer says, well, I'm going to lose all my crop if I don't use these seeds. And of course, you're sowing the seeds earlier on in the season. So you don't know what the climate's going to be like or whether you're going to have storms. But anyway, they're deciding now that farmers can use these coated seeds on sugar beet. Now, some people say, oh, well, sugar beet's fine because it's grown to feed animals. And so therefore, it's not going to affect bees. But actually, the sugar beet in Britain is grown for the British sugar industry. And so it's being grown to make sugar that is feeding humans, but also used by a lot of beekeepers to feed bees. So what I find so interesting is, yes, all the beekeepers are up in arms about the government allowing um, use of neonicotinoids, but not all of them have realized that they are contributing to this whole market by buying the sugar to feed their bees. If we really want to stop the government using neonicotinoids or allowing the use of it, or even to stop the farmers using it, we need wider education and the public, be they beekeepers or not beekeepers, need to stop buying sugar that's been grown using neonicotinoids. Now, the sad thing is that you won't know when you buy food because they don't have to label it. They don't have to say that this crop was grown using neonicotinoids. So this is a real problem for the consumer. Now, if you're buying organic or chemical free or biodynamic food, then the chances are they haven't used neonicotinoids. So this is a real reason to think about where does your food come from? You need to have those conversations with the farmers. Now, the problem is because the chem the companies that manufacture these neonicotinoids say, oh, it's fine, it's be safe because of the LD50, people are trusting that. And yet we have all the science and all the evidence that it is not be safe. 
this whole new every January, the government come around and they say, oh, yeah, we're going to allow it for emergency use. And there's all these protests from um, organic farmers, from biodynamic farmers, from beekeepers, from people that are worried about soil condition, you know, wildflower growers, all these people are worrying. But we're not big enough in numbers to stop this happening. And because these votes go through without public consultation, you know, our MPs don't even know about it. So it can be going through on a day when everyone's at home watching the news or at the races or on holiday, and it just gets passed. I am sharing this because this does affect every single one of us. If you eat sugar and it's non-organic, you could be ingesting food that has been grown using these treated seeds. And although they'll test one of the ingredients at a time on bees, they never test these ingredients on humans. And I have been to numerous bee conferences and numerous talks where scientists have shown the effects of just one of these ingredients at a time. We know they are super strong toxins, super damaging to bees, really affecting all kinds of aspects of their health and well-being and their their, their chances of survival. And so when we say, oh, the bees are dying and, you know, it's it's this or it's that, we've also got to consider why are the bees dying and what is killing them? And if the way we grow our food is killing the insects that pollinate it, what on earth is it doing to the people that eat that food? I just want to put that out there. Have a think. Have a think about what you've eaten today. What are you going to eat tomorrow? What have you got in your cupboards? How are you supporting the industry without even realising you're supporting it? We have the power of our pound. We know the governments will make decisions without consulting us. They vote things through without listening to their scientists, even though their independent scientists say, oh, yeah, yeah, these kill bees, these kill the pollinators, and the government go, well, okay, but we'll use it anyway. So the only way we can stop things happening is by stopping buying it. And this is not just about the bees, it's about your health too. I hope that this has given you something to think about, and thank you for listening. And now you're going to see neonicotinoids everywhere. Have a look on your social media. Have a search for yourself. Just Google it. It's a difficult word to spell, but it's neonicotinoids. So just look that up. The shortened name is neonix. And just let me know what you think about this whole situation. Bye for now. I love that you've been listening to my podcast. Thank you so much. I am delighted to have the wonderful Beebrook helping me with editing and um, producing this podcast. So if you've enjoyed it, do share it around and connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn and my website. So thank you very much and bye for now. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.